enlighten me Bitch, I be a boss, I got the sauce, no point in fighting me Demons leave them torch, I run my kingdom, call me sire We never taking L's, only lessons No, we never counting fails, only blessings Never stressing, I said enlighten me I be a boss, I got the sauce, no point in fighting me Gang, they hyping me, rightfully I am stable, I am able, I am wealthy Full of health, on the rise, I got the belt You got a problem? Check yourself, bitch How are you doing? Well, actually a little bit tired Like you, I was up at 6 o'clock this morning Because I had a, a podcast with Australia so, oh, you did. Oh, my gosh. So it's been a really long day for you. <laughs> a big uh, time frame swinging backwards and forwards, but great. And I'm glad that we um, finally meet each other. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, I just put on perfume for the interview. I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I'll do the same. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, so you- I think you're about nine hours ahead of me, yeah? Yeah, and then Australia's eight hours ahead. I don't actually wear perfume, but this is um, Aurisoma spray. I'm into it. I love it. I read your book during the pandemic, which I actually have a copy right right here below. Uh, the Heart of Tantric Sex. I became obsessed with it. I listened to your TED Talk, and so I'm just really excited and grateful to have you on the podcast. That's so sweet, Ren. And um, I looked at your website previously and again yesterday, and, and you're a pretty wild character. That's really nice. <laughs> Thank you. I think that was the compliment. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Diana, what is your background and um, what inspired you to write that book? Well, my background is I was born in South Africa. Oh, lovely. Studied law because I was born during the apartheid era. So one wanted to do something that could possibly help uh, the situation. So I did six years university, spent a little time in the law courts, but then realized that was not for me. Just because there was nothing that I could do to really fundamentally change the situation. And also I realized it's actually a a life of the mind and I wanted more a life of the heart. And I had already, as quite a young girl, um, or young child, I loved to touch and uh, massage and so I had while I was studying law just started I got a book and started to do massage and I just found it made me happy and I was quite good I just had a natural kind of I could just feel things and then you know push around and and whatever then I left South Africa went to the UK and there I got involved in massage and teaching massage and had a massage clinic and so for many many years I was a massage teacher and that in, that interest in the body made me interested in sex. I mean, I was interested in sex anyway. Um, and then I got information from, from two different sources. The first was a spiritual master in India called Osho, and he talked a lot about uh, Tantra in the mid-70s, mid so I read it in a book. And also Barry Long, a man from Australia, who made two recordings, uh, two talks, uh, early 80s, called um, Making Love the Divine Way. And I listened listened to those. And using guidelines from these two sources, I just started to practice and experiment. So I had no big objective. Uh, I was just curious and practiced for many years. And then, you know, with the time and with the practice, really – 
realized that there was available to us a totally different kind of sexual experience. And so then people, I was living in a community, people started to come and ask, talk to me, and I found I could answer their questions. Then I decided to see if I could put those experiences that I felt on the inside of my body into words. So that, that's what that book is, was um, an attempt to put things into words. It worked. So it seems to work. People like the book. Then one thing led to another. Publishers asked me to write different books. So all in all, I've, I've done kind of eight books, plus been teaching couples in week-long retreats for 20, more than 25 years. Uh, you mentioned you wanted to work more with the heart instead of the mind. It's not about being conscious, correct? It is about being more conscious. I think the main thing to realize is that unconsciously through our society, we, we, are, we are imprinted with a certain idea about sex, which is actually not to do with our bodies. It's more to do with our psyches. So our minds have all been a little bit distorted. So we don't really access the sort of inner wisdom of the body. So in, in initially, it's about bringing awareness, attention, mindfulness to the patterns in sex. Because if we look at regular sex, it's a, a lot of patterns are involved. One of the patterns is to be very fast with everything, to, to have an orgasm because of this belief that sex equals a peak experience, it equals orgasm. If you don't have an orgasm, you have a sexual problem. But it is totally feasible and good to have sex without letting, dispersing the energy afterwards. There's this pattern, what I call goal orientation. And it's subtle. It can also be very subtle. And like, you're not interested in this penetration, but the next, because the next one brings you up, you know, closer to, to the end point. So that, that's the basic pattern. And then we also have this belief that sex has to be hot and the hotter the better. Now, this is a misunderstanding because especially for men, that's totally disempowering. Um, because many men suffer from premature ejaculation. Now, what's the time frame for pre premature ejaculation? It can be a few seconds, a few minutes, or even 10, 15 minutes. That's premature. And men go through a lot of uh, doubt about that, about themselves, that, my God, why can't, why can't I control myself, as it were? It's all about sexual temperature. If the sexual temperature is reduced, then man has a much greater chance of lasting, lasting longer. So we also need to change that belief that good sex equals hot sex. Right. Do you, do you think that... Uh that is like a subconscious feeling that men have? Or do you think like the media and outside sources have conditioned them um, to feel poorly for premature ejaculation? No, men do. No, men do. Because they are aware that they can't perform well. So that's another tremendous pressure on men is the performance pressure. And, and obviously they want to make their partner a woman because I'm heterosexual and that's my, my you know, realm. So, of course, they feel like uh, disempowered or guilty or ashamed. And then that also makes them start to hold back from sex because they're afraid they're going to ejaculate. Some, some men just come in the vicinity of a woman or just enter and they would ejaculate. And that's because of a lot of tension. Uh, right, right. 
thinking about it, oh, am I going to last this time? So, no, it, it's not from the media. It's definitely man's experience. What is from the media or our imprinting is that sex needs to be hot. So we build up the heat, we build up the intensity, and then involved in that is many patterns as well, like a lot of friction, like rubbing penis and vagina, trying to build up the sensation. And to do that, you get more and more mechanical. And your body gets tighter and tighter. And the tighter you get, your body gets, even if it's your shoulders, your bum, the less you can feel. And I'm sure most of us have recognized that as a man or a woman. The closer you get, often, the, and the harder you try, the less you can feel. So it's it's a whole big shift. And it's not like you can click your fingers. Um, right. Um, and you mentioned in your book that the woman uh, plays a part in, in the relaxation for a man because she can tighten her body. Uh, can you explain that a little more? Because that was something new that I learned that I wasn't previously aware of. What I say is that if a woman relaxes her body, that will help a man. A relaxation doesn't mean being dead or passive. It means just you know being soft and watching your tensions and so on. But what happens to us women, because like men have a lot of performance pr pressure, women tend to please men, to try and be exciting, to try and be sexy, to try and uh, keep the excitement level. And this involves, again, a lot of tension and mechanicalness in the body and projecting oneself a little bit as a sexy woman. And this, this does not help men. In fact, if a woman try, gets too excited, a man, we all know that. A, a, woman will a man will ejaculate. So if a woman is more relaxed and more serene and more in the moment, this definitely helps a man. So in that sense, that a woman contributes a lot to premature ejaculation unconsciously. She's not aware of it. Right, and correct. See, what you're saying is don't try to be sexy. <laughs> yeah, just to, try to be natural. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I think, yeah, that makes yeah. total sense. What would you tell someone are ways that you could uh, be more mindful or be more conscious about having sex? Because I think it's hard for people because there's all these outside external sources. Like, you know, people have kids, they have really stressful jobs, and, and they don't really know how to be more mindful. Well, mindfulness is a new word. I prefer the word awareness. Okay, um, I like that. Because mindful, you know, but one does need the mind to be aware. So that means you use your mind to remember that you have a body. And then as much as possible, remember your body during the day, anytime. Like now, as I'm sitting, I notice I've got my one leg crossed over the other. Now, if I go further up to my genital area, I thought, oh, my vagina feels a little bit crushed right now. Okay. Let me open my legs. Right. Whew, immediately um, my spine is more straight. I feel better. I take another breath. So mindfulness is a lot about um, having awareness in your body. And that is something we are not educated. It's not part of our, our education. It's, it's all about the mind. It's not about how to walk, how to sit, how to eat. How to go to the toilet? These are and and then on top, how to have sex? It's nothing that we're taught. We just think these things should be instinctive. 
So what we really do need is to be more aware in our bodies. Now, what is happening primarily when two people come together, and this is, doesn't matter if same-sex, um, hetero, whatever, is each one is more focused on the other. Nobody's really in themselves. So one of the very first steps that I give is to be more anchored in yourself. To, to feel into your body, to soften your body, to breathe. So all that requires awareness, mindfulness. Of course. I think yeah. that's really interesting because I think a lot of people uh, are focused on oral sex of their partner before uh, penetration. So that's, that's really interesting. How would you bring consciousness to yourself in a scenario before you were about to have sex with your partner? Well, certainly I would stay away from oral sex. Not that it's bad, but it does raise the sexual temperature. And, and I guess really my main interest is the interaction of the penis and the vagina. So that way, uh, oral sex is a bit of a diversion. And, um, and if you want to do it, rather do it much, much later, but as a way of awakening to sex it, it does like i said raise the temperature it causes tension it also causes excitement and excitement is somehow what we expect of sex but if we get too excited then we go easily into wanting to come and the goal and all the different ingredients but do you think that that takes away from the enjoyment of the experience yes yes in my experience i do and i've in my workshops, I like, for instance, we'll probably talk about it later, but the clitoris is viewed as, as the center of female sexuality. Now, the clitoris, she doesn't open the woman's body. She excites the woman's body. And these are very, very different things. And I ask again and again in women's work, my, well, I used to do women's workshops, but also my couple's workshops, like, which of you women have observed that when the clitoris is engaged prior to penetration, that the experience of the penetration per se is not so powerful. And every woman will put up her hand. So in other yeah. words, that, that's, that area is left kind of untouched, shall we say, then the vagina has much, much more sensitivity. Because often overstimulation of the, or, or any stimulation creates excitement, also creates a tightening in the vagina. Some women experience even like little cramps in the vagina. It's not really that I speak against the, the clitoris, I speak for the vagina. And I think that is a knowledge that we've lost. So a lot I would of agree with that. I would totally agree with that. There's, I mean, you see on social media and everything, I see video clips all the time of women complaining about how men can't find the clitoris. So I think this is definitely some misinformation um, that everybody will be surprised to hear. Why are the breasts an important part of sex? It's like one can say that the breasts are the energy raising pole in the female body. Yeah. And it's when the breasts are engaged, and I don't mean stimulation or titillation, I mean woman bringing awareness into her breasts, men holding a woman's breast. 
because it's in the upper part of her body, like the breasts are the life-giving, uh, sustained life through, through milk, it also in the same way opens our female energy. So actually it's through the breasts that we can have a deeper orgasmic experiences, not orgasm, but orgasmic. Because when the breasts are engaged, then there's like a magnetic resonance in the vagina, which is like the other pole, the receptive pole. And you can see she's a receiver. You know, she's a canal into the body, so she's not active. And many women, we, many of us will tighten our vaginas, squeeze them a little bit, to, to hoping that it excites the penis. But really, the more open and relaxed she is, um, the better also when a man comes like very fast into a woman, woman close the vagina because it hurts yeah. the cervix. Yeah. So, so there's many things the way we, we have sex that causes women, results in women's vagina not actually being receptive. And receptivity is a power. Receptivity, like I said, is not passivity. Because only when there's an environment that can receive can energy be channeled from, from say, the male body through the penis. So it is awareness needs to be brought more to the breasts. And it's one of the problems is we think that male and female bodies, of course they're different, but we think they're the same in that male sexual energy is raised quite a bit more quickly than female. And this again is because our, the, the energy pole, energy raising pole is in the upper body, whereas for men it's in the perineum and the pelvic floor, so it's right there. And that does take time before that opening to happen. Women need more time, and that's often what women will, will say. Well, when I ask, which of you women feel that you would like to wait until the man enters you? And every woman will put her hand up. And, I, you know, this is like hundreds and hundreds of women that I've seen over, over years. So all of us women, most of us women, of course, I speak in generalizations, but we... We are so wanting to please the man, naturally we want to be loved or keep the man with us, that we, we, we have a certain body intuition, but we step over our own boundaries. So we say, yes, come inside, when actually we're not ready to take somebody inside. So, so you have to get your body ready first. Yes, basically. And one can do that kissing and cuddling, rolling around, massaging feet, anything. One interesting thing in your book that I really, uh, I guess, benefited from uh, and that I've shared with a lot of people is that you say after a long day of work or you haven't seen your partner, you come in the door and you recommend actually not touching at all first and that you should look each other in the eyes for 30 to 45 seconds, I believe it was, and then you should go and embrace each other in a hug or a kiss or whatever kind of physical um, affection. I thought that was super interesting. Yes. Well, the basic thing is to come back to yourself. Yeah. Usually Russian and we all over the other person. And so all our attention is on them. We don't have any attention on ourselves. So that gives the opportunity. You just stand, 
and, and come back into your own body, you open your eyes, you, you look or, you know, see and then move together. So it brings you more into the present out of just like a mechanical, hello, give a hug or, or whatever, so that you're present. And that's really what we can say is, is the key element of tantric sex or changing the way you, you make love is to learn to be more present, not so much ahead of ourselves. So, so that, that how you embrace when you come together is a very simple way of practicing how to be more present. It's so hard for so many people to be present because of the distraction of cell phones and work calls and children and all, just everything, social media. You need to be more present to your children. You of need course. to be more present on your telephone. You need to be more present in everything you do. So that often if I see how parents relate to their children, it's, it's very, again, mechanical or patronizing or they use a funny, a funny voice, just talk to the kid. They're not really present. And for sure, look, social media and everything is a disaster because I, I see everywhere on the stations now when I'm traveling around Switzerland, there's nobody just sitting in a bench or on a train, in a train. Everybody's on the phone. And not necessarily talking, but, but doing something on the phone. Do you think that being more present in general will help you with your sex life? Oh, absolutely. And this is why they're not separate. Um, the more present you can practice being in, in your life, how you stand, how you sit, how you walk, if you're cooking, on the phone, whatever. Like, again, I've crossed my legs. Now it's a habit, so I, I uncross them. Or if I'm on the phone and I... If I'm holding my the phone between my ear and my you know my shoulders tense, I relax. Right. So oh yeah, I always I, I hold tension up here, and I, I just realized I was just doing it just now. I was really tensed up, so now I'm relaxing yes. myself. Right, exactly, and the body will immediately respond with a breath, and oh, there's more space on the inside. So the more present you are in your life in general, the more easy it is to be present in bed and. Vice versa, the more present you are in bed, the easier it is to be present. Well, you're naturally more present in, in your daily life. So these two things feed into each other. And it's a little bit unrealistic to say, let's learn to be mindful and aware and present in bed, but forget about it for the rest of the day. Yeah. Right. What's the most common problem that you see in romantic dynamics? What happens is a burnout. That what, what people come together, and because of this idea about hot sex, they just have a lot of hot sex in the beginning with not, not much awareness. I mean, it's delicious and it's like all over each other. But after a little while, that, that reduces. And then people get almost like turned off from each other. If one meets a new partner, the sooner you can get into a bit, be more mindful and cool down, that really makes um, a relationship more sustainable. But look, I have couples coming from, from all walks of life and age range from 18 to 80. Wow. Yeah. So I've seen... seen it's uh, hard to imagine my 80-year-old grandmother having sex, but I think that's amazing. Yeah. 
And, and I remember it was an 80-year-old man, and he said, which is incredible, these are the most important seven days of my life. And you're talking about your workshop. Yeah. So, so he came That's- to the workshop with seven days, and, and he said, these are the most important seven days of my life. So when you say that at 80, I mean, that is awesome. Wow. So That's it, really cool. So it's, it's just more an indication of um, how important it is to get some solid, rooted, grounded information about sex um, amongst people because there's so much confusion. So a lot of couples, some come after three months, some come after 44, 50 years. Well, so there's no shame in starting therapy right when you start dating. Oh, not at all. And I wouldn't... I love that. Huge fan. Yeah, yeah. And and by therapy, we mean to be more aware, more conscious of what we're doing. Um, so couples come very often because they're having difficulties with sex or they, they have a good time together, but they want to go deeper. Or sometimes couples are on the verge of divorce but they want to give one last shot at the relationship and obviously as soon you as soon as you bring more awareness into your own body and the, and, and the exchange then uh, there's just a lot more love in the air because awareness it's one of these spiritual alchemies that awareness creates love so, or generates love so the more you can be with the awareness even around when you're around each other driving together talking together eating together this all supports um the foundation of love so the problems are people have many different problems a lot of women have been and men um has traumatized through crossing the boundaries when they're young which is one of the tragedies of humanity so this also makes some discomfort insects but as soon as you bring the awareness and the mindfulness and this is very healing and integrating so a lot of things can be sorted out that are potentially a disturbance in a relationship i can't give solid examples because anyway it's been so many years and so many couples that oh, i'm um, sure you have so many <laughs> it's, it's not like there's one story to tell Right. But generally what you're saying is it's a myth that you have to stop having sex at a certain point in your marriage. That's right. That's right. That see, passionless marriages don't have to exist. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And one of the things is this burnout that I was, I was telling you about, because um, for men, there's a lot of um, performance pressure, stress. They've got to get into action. Men more than women, and then they they don't feel like it. You know, it's like, oh, it's not worth it. And for women, we might, when we meet somebody new, we might, um, you know, it might be all, like you say, passionate and, and hot and everything, but very soon that subsides. And actually, on a certain subtle level, a woman's body closes down. Um, no, it's not from the psychology. Usually, it's really something that happens in the body that women loses interest, and this is one of the major sources of, of, of problems in a relationship: is that a woman loses interest. 
Well, often it's like my man wants to have sex more than me. I'm not so interested. Or it can, oh, interesting. So it's so it's like a like a chase kind of thing. Well, it it can also be vice versa, that that my man lost interest and um, the woman. And do you think that the other partner isn't wanting to have sex anymore because it's not conscious? Well, yes, it's not loving, it's not fulfilling, it's a bit mechanical. You, you, you have. I, you, I understand that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is why eventually everything just shuts down. So I, I've had couples come into my workshops who haven't had made love for ten years, but within two days they're making love. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. What would you say to the other partner in that scenario? Say like um, you're the person who is constantly wanting sex with your partner and your partner is the one who is denying you, you know, that feels like a rejection. So then you give up after some time and then you just stop having sex altogether. How would you go about convincing your partner to get back into the rhythm of having regular sex? Well, I think the first thing to understand is that if a, if one in person closes down, it's not personal. It's not to to do with the other person. It's more to do with the style of sex. So as soon mm. as the style changes, that there's more mm. awareness, um, the interest usually comes back. So the important thing is, is not if our partner doesn't want to have sex with us, then we feel rejected. So that's an emotional reaction. Mm. And actually, if you we look back on our lives, we've been rejected a lot of times, even from our mother or our father. And not sexually, but so we all carry kind of rejection wounds or abandonment wounds. So that reaction often is coming from the past. And it's good to understand that um, when we change the atmosphere, then there's a whole new start. So the thing is not to take, if there has been a withdrawal on the one side, just to have compassion and understanding and think, okay, well, we can change this. We still love each other, which many couples do, but they don't actually get engaged and find a, find a new way with it. I have to know what happens on these seven-day retreats if you are getting people who haven't had sex in 10 years to have sex within two days. That's incredible. <laughs> well, it's very simple, really. Firstly, very clear is everybody is committed to their partners. There's no group sex. There's right. no group nudity. It's a very protected environment. Yes. And we work with people on different levels. So uh, the first thing is we help people to be more in their bodies as individuals. Mm. So there's certain guidance I give people. We do certain meditations that are body-oriented. We dance. But again, from the, it's more about to encourage people to be from feeling themselves from the inside out. Most of us just yeah. feel ourselves or see ourselves from the out, outside. And then we do some kind of Tai Chi exercises, then we give a talk, giving very concrete explanation, and it's on different levels because it's over seven days, um, and going deep each day with some guidelines and some tips, and then people have time to practice in privacy, and then come back, do maybe some kind of massage or, or something in the evening, and yes. another meditation. So 
it's to keep people in the present and doing things with their body so they can feel their bodies um, more easily and so on. Why seven days and not three per se? It's too short. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think you can't grasp anything in, in that, you know, like a weekend long retreat or so. But I will say my view, when you hear like a love or sex retreat, you hear those words together. And often you think like, oh, this is a group sex situation. This is some wild and crazy thing, uh, totally out of my element. So I'm glad that you explained that because that's actually something that any couple could benefit from. I think even couples who do have solid communication and a good sex life could benefit from. Yes, absolutely. Because it just helps you to get deeper. That's right. And actually, we call it the making love retreat, which can lead to the same misunderstandings as what you were saying. Yes, and many couples do come because they everything is good, They blah, 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 but they want to go deeper. So there's many levels on which one can benefit. Yeah. One question I did want to ask you about... Um, you know, kind of the act of having sex and a problem that a lot of men have is um, I know there's a lot of men out there with erectile dysfunction. And you mentioned something in your book, and obviously there's a lot more detail that people can read. But if a man is struggling with erectile dysfunction, do you recommend he tries to get present with himself before? And uh, like, what do you say to a man that's struggling with that? Basically, as you say, uh get get back to yourself you see the problem with erection is that men identify very strongly with their erection and if mm. they can't have erection they don't feel like a man anymore mm. but but to realize that even if a man has erection he has a fundamental insecurity about erection because right. he could lose an erection anytime and the penis is not like on command right and everybody knows that so he's very sensitive to, to environment and so on. So the thing is to, to come back and look, if there is no erection after some time, there is the possibility to put the penis in, in his relaxed state. Of course, it's a totally different experience to of course. A, a, an erect penis, but it still means there can be a union and there can right. be, because penis and vagina, they exchange energy on subtle levels. Now, we're not attuned to those levels. We, we're more um, attuned to heavy-duty sensation. You are saying to for the man to put his, um, I guess, non-erect penis, so a flaccid penis, inside the vagina, and then it is able to get hard once it's inside. Not necessarily, but possibly. Okay. But the woman, uh, in my book, it's explained... <clears throat> And the, the, it's easiest if the woman puts it in from the side position, like the scissors position. Yeah. Um, and it, it is possible if, if two people are present, that the, that the penis from the magnetism will start to respond. But you, you can't, again, it's not on command, it's due to presence. So you can't lie there and say, come on. But of they, course. They well, can, ultimately, you have to be relaxed. Right, and, but and in your body, and again, relaxation doesn't mean collapse. So you've got to enter your body with with the awareness. Yeah, 
Um, what advice would you give someone who may be insecure with their body? Like, you know, maybe they have extra fat rolls or they hate the stretch marks on their boobs or they don't like that one of their balls is bigger than the other, you know, whatever that people, you know, whatever thing that people are insecure about. Right. I mean, it's one of the sadnesses in our society that we're so externally fixated. Yeah. And of course, it's, it's not easy. Um, when you have your own judgments and the impossible judgments of other people. But ultimately, mm -hmm. it depends how much can you feel inside your body. That is how much can I feel into my body? So it's more about your, your sensitivity uh, yeah. than how you look. So it's a matter of acceptance. But instead of giving that negative aspect or that aspect that gives you insecurity, giving it juice or attention, rather like how do I feel in this breast or in these testicles or in my body in general. Another thing I was wondering about is your view on pornography and I guess sexual fantasy and how that plays a part into relationships. Sexual fantasy is it's um, like the fuel. It's become the fuel of sex. People don't get excited in and of themselves or between themselves, so you have a fantasy. And that brings in a, a certain amount of excitement. But the fact is you're not really, you're in fantasy, you're not really present. And this is why one of the love keys that I suggest in my book is to have the eyes open and to, to have this way of looking at each other gently. Um, look, pornography, it's not a help. It's not a help because, again, it's uh, <clears throat> sensation-oriented. And the thing about pornography, it's not real. And the person watching it, it's like often when I'm watching a movie, I go, God, it's amazing. This the whole thing is put together. And you've got directors, cameras, da-da-da, editing. But you're so involved in the story. It's a miracle, actually, how movies are made. So it's the same thing with pornography. We think it's real, and but it's actually totally acted out. The problem is, is that we think it's real, and we also think that's how sex goes and how we should do it. But in fact, a lot of it, again, is about sensation. And right. Well, because we're, you know, when you watch porn, you're seeing something. It's a visual thing, and sex really isn't visual. So you're cop you're trying to copy something that is visual or recreate something that you visually saw when sex is not about that. It's about being in your body, correct? That's what you're saying, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. And also that if, you, if the body is overstimulated, which porn will tend to do if it's through masturbation, men or women or whatever, slowly the body gets deadened. It gets yeah. insensitive. So yeah, yeah. The, the body can only take so much sensation before it starts closing down. So that is why there is more and more erectile dysfunction. And now I heard actually a survey in the States quite some time ago but that 35% of boys under the age of 25 are having erectile dysfunction or erection wow. problems. Now that that's wild. Me, that's wild, but we don't associate it with with a porn. Also, 
if you watch porn and, and it also changes the wiring in your brain and there's whole people who talk about this i don't know too much about it i just like to take their word for it but it changes you know your um your wiring and how you perceive and feel so it, it is i'm not saying it's wrong but it's not helpful and it, you know small doses but not as not as a lifestyle of course of course you mentioned the love keys just now i guess um I don't know if you want to get into that because that's so much a part of your book. And I definitely want people who hear this to go and buy your book after this, which I think they will because you are so knowledgeable on this topic. Like, I'm so impressed with how much information that you know. But I guess, could you give just a basic rundown of tantric sex for beginners and the love keys? Well, the love keys are basically little keys to make you more present. Hmm. That's it. And so there's several of them. Like um, anchoring more in yourself, breathing, um, eye contact, but in a receptive way. So that's also a practice. But yeah, so th there's quite a few. What else? Kissing, like the tendency is for tongue kissing. Now tongue kissing, tongue kissing raises the sexual temperature. Also, you can't sustain it for very long because... It's often a bit exhausting on the jaw. So, like, try lip kissing, but being more present in your lips. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lip kiss is much more sustainable. Uh, you can kiss for ages. So kissing is great and um, touching consciously, also bringing awareness women to the breasts. So, you know, like you say, it's each one is like... A, a chapter in a book and so on. So we won't go into too much more detail, but it's definitely, definitely worth um, having a look. And even if you go, oh, this is rubbish, which many people do because our ideas about sex are so strongly rooted in us. Right. Still, it's worth trying. It's really, really worth trying. And, and that is what will prove to you, you know, if you try and see, oh, my God, not that it necessarily comes easily, but it is, it's our, our basic life force, sexual energy. And we tend to think of our sex energy and creative energy and mind energy or whatever, but we've actually just got one system and sex is at the base. So when you start to address something in the base, then, yeah. then the whole of your, every other center or every other aspect of your life is impacted. So... It's 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 really something that can change the course of your life. And, I mean, I'm surprised. Like, I never intended to write books. I never intended to be a teacher. It's like the little steps I took in my early 30s, now I'm 68, yeah. led to this. And here we are talking. I mean, I have no idea that that would happen or that I have over the years really come to understand a lot more about sex than I started out with. So that's why I can talk <laughs> i think that massage therapy was a good segue to talking about sex because you really as a massage therapist you get to know like every part of the body and when you are touching someone you see like which parts of their body that you're touching you know what other parts are relaxing and i guess you it's kind of like you're studying breath as well i would guess i would imagine yes absolutely and actually what i recommend is people to touch their own bodies because our bodies are all similar 
we all, you know, if you know your body and which is what I call like the juicy spots or the spots that carry tension, or then you'll find it's pretty much the same on somebody else's body. So that is why I was able to transport, like yeah. know my body, and then it's easy to apply it to another bodies. But yeah, I mean, it's really healthy for people to receive massage or do self massage, and um, so to to help them come more in their bodies. You mentioned setting intention for sex which would mean you know setting aside a specific day like we're gonna have sex on saturday at 9 p.m or whatever it may be i think the general public of people would maybe argue that that's not sexy or that's not erotic or whatever opinions that they may have but you actually say in your book, which I think is so fascinating, that it's actually beneficial to set aside that time because it helps with intention. Can you just elaborate more on why that's positive? Because I think that's a really important thing. Well, look, the, ma the ma majority of people, like you say, will go, oh my God, that sounds like rubbish. It's not sexy. But the fact is that we kind of think, we're spontaneous with sex, but actually sex is happening very accidentally. Maybe after drinking some wine and having a heavy dinner, or maybe when we have some holidays, or maybe when the children are in bed. And it's basically, if you, if you want to have a fulfilling life and a love life, and sex needs to be raised to the as a priority. And you make a date, just like you might go out to dinner. You make a date, and the the meal is still equally enjoyable. Um, okay, if you want to take a stroll and whatever, you know what I'm saying. But uh, definitely, if you if you know you're going to make make love, of course there can be resistance, like oh no, but that's not resistance to sex; it's resistance to being present. So if we said okay, we'll sit down and meditate for forty five minutes, each one. On themselves there would also be a resistance so there is this resistance to being present but if you know you're going to make love then you kind of prepare inwardly you take a shower you make the room nice anything to awaken the senses and we kind of get the idea we have to be horny to make sense to have sex but this is a big misunderstanding it's a bit like saying only when i'm suffering from malnutrition do i eat <laughs> wow, that's such an interesting way of looking at it. I love that. That's so true. Yeah. Or, or like maybe not malnutrition, but I, only when I'm starving I eat. But we eat three times a day because we need it. And this intimacy, this physical exchange, this energy exchange, uh, we need it. It, it just uh, it nourishes us. And so, so when you know it's happening... You, you kind of orient on it and you give yourself a good amount of time and you have to arrange your lives. Uh, but people are very fast to put other things in priority. But it definitely works. I can imagine. And I think it's great. It gives you something to look forward to. Well, exactly. Exactly. And sometimes you decide to spend a whole weekend in bed if you don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you kind of touched on this earlier, but... Can sex improve the longer you're with someone? Well, if, if you go into the sensitivity style that I propose, 
is that yeah. you get more, that you get more and more sensitive with time. Yeah. And yeah. So it is possible. And you get more relaxed, you get more trust in yourself, trust in your partner. How did your life personally change when you uh, worked in Tantra to it? Well, if you're comfortable uh, answering that. Well, the, the fact is, it's so long ago, and my life changed so long ago that I don't know what my life would be like without that. <laughs> wow, that's cool. And I did notice immediately that I started experimenting, um, that I felt very different. I felt more uh, inside myself, not so much outside myself. I felt more present in situations, and I also felt more silent. Means I didn't need to talk so that other people could feel me. So often we're talking so that you can people can notice you, but just through sitting there more present, I was contributing, and people were also noticing. So I felt much more like integrated on the inside, less dependent on the outside. The way I looked at men changed completely. The How so? Well, not as like I fancy that person or he's my type. You hear this the whole time. Oh, he's not my type. Like, what does that mean, your type? That means you totally I just... I totally never understood that either. It totally means that you're using your eyes to decide. And so I would just because I was living in a community and there's lots of embracing, if I went inside myself and then I would just feel, how does this person, what is their relationship with their inner world? And then you can, you can feel. Yeah. Cause it's more about like connection, like, you, you know, your spiritual connection to a person. Yeah. Or, or even the word spiritual sounds a little bit complicated. It's more like your inner connection. Because yeah. when we talk about spiritual, we talk about an inner, an inner dimension. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so change the way I, I, I looked at men, saw men. Um, it kind of sounds like you're describing that you almost got more confident. Well, that was the ironic thing. That was the, yeah, yeah. And then also with women, like with women, women are very competitive. And, and they're quite ruthless, actually. Um, so I no longer started to, I saw women more as sisters rather than somebody who could steal my boyfriend or um, we both like the same guy or, you know, and more like, less like in a competitive way. My life just got more in a flow, like one thing led to another's. I didn't have to make any big decisions. It's just the next step becomes clear or you just take it and then... Do you think that it helps you professionally? And I, I'm not talking about you know, obviously it helped professionally with your, your, you have eight books that you've written about the subject. I mean, like, did it help you in your everyday approach to how you handle people in business? Well, I wouldn't be able to do what I do if I hadn't that personal experience. Right. So they're not separate. So in other words, yeah. you go through, you go through a process, you go through some inner transformation and that is what you bring into the business, into the books. So of course, it, it, it changes. Like someone, who, so a person who is not interested in working in this field could benefit from this practice in their professional lives just by taking the principles of simply being present. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 
to be more present, you know, how you're sitting, breathing, softening. Absolutely. I'm from the South and, you know, I grew up in a household where I was taught, you know, um, no sex before marriage, uh, just don't have it. I wasn't really taught uh, healthy ways to connect with a person. And I think a lot of, you know, young girls who maybe grew up in uh, a Christian household in the church where they weren't taught how to properly connect with a person because, you know, sex is a huge part of connecting with your partner and your relationship. I guess, what advice would you give to a person um, who's been through a similar kind of situation? Well, what I would say is everybody has been through a similar situation, even if they're not particularly in a Christian household. These same morals apply. And right, like, right. I never had one conversation with my parents about sex. I was never taught anything yeah. about yeah. Um, connecting with myself. So it's something that we have to, to re-educate ourselves. Certainly for myself, I didn't, even though I was aware of this no sex before marriage, um, it, it did not have a great impact on me in the sense right. of, it, it, it didn't stop me. I think that very often when mothers are saying things to their daughters, it's because they have been injured in sex in some way. They've had bad experiences. So they pass down that because they love their daughters. They want to care for their daughters. So they give all this, this caution, but it's, it's detrimental. It's, it's not helpful for the daughter because you're passing on your own injuries or your own pain. Right. And they're going to do it anyway, so you might as well teach them the proper way to do it. I'm not a mother now, but one day I do hope to be a mother, and I have friends who are mothers. I have a lot of mother listeners who have young girls and boys. What would you say to a parent who has a teenage child? How should they talk to their child about sex? Well, first of all, I think we shouldn't really wait for our parents to teach us. We need to teach ourselves, those of us who are older, okay? Of course. Yeah. Um, older meaning 20 and upwards, right? But if, if your child um, asks about sex, well, the thing is, children are embarrassed to even think that their parents are having sex. Because there's so much shame around the whole thing. Like I had this interview with a guy in Australia this morning and he's got two daughters, 16 and 18, and he bought them the books and said, read these. Um, oh, that's incredible. I wish I had discovered your books when I was a teenager. That's incredible. And actually, I do have a book for teenagers called Cool Sex. Oh, you do? Oh, that's amazing. I'll put that up on my website and, and link it so people can know where to find it. Yes, do that. What I say to couples in my workshops, because many have children with the same question, like, what do we do? How do we handle this? It is better to wait for a question to come from the child. Of course. And it is better. But what happens with parents is that a little window opens in there, so they try and give the child a big download. That's not helpful. So you just answer the mm. questions that are asked. But what I do say to, to couples is... Um, like this guy that I interviewed, that interviewed me from Australia today, he's 50 now, 49. And yeah. he, just, he just said to the daughters, look, I wish I had known this when I was younger. So with all my yeah. heart, I share that with you. And this is exactly what I tell couples. I share that with you. You can think your father's crazy. You can read it. You can burn it. 
do what you like, but I want you to know this information. So good, Ren. I think we've done well. I think so too. I'm so thankful that you came on my podcast. I absolutely loved meeting you. Thank you for coming on Enlighten Me, bitch. Now I want to read all the rest of your books because I loved I loved the one. I don't know, like the the Heart of a Tantric Sex. I don't know if that's what order that is in your eight books that you've written, but that was my first book. And then oh, I wrote, yeah, yeah. And then I wrote Tantric Orgasm for Women. And then the emotions, feelings book, tantric love. Oh, I love. I have to. I know we didn't touch on any of the emotion part of your book because it's such a heavy chapter. But um, I definitely will check that one out because that's something I'm interested in as well. And then um, uh, tantric sex for men, and then a book called Slow Sex, and then a mm-hmm. book called Tantric Love Letters, which is exchanges, email exchanges between me and people who write to me. And then um, cool, cool sex, which was the, the the one for young teenagers. Where can people find you? How do they sign up for your workshop? Um, you can look on um, www.livinglove.com or loveforcouples.com, same website. And all the information is there. All the books are there, some different interviews and so on, TED Talk. Great. Yeah, your TED Talk was incredible. I loved your TED Talk. And then you're and you're seeing patients as well individually. No. Currently? No. no, not anymore. No. Just the workshop. Do you have a workshop coming up soon? Yeah, well not not until October. I've done okay. already this year. I used to do eight a year, now I've dropped to five a year. Um not, uh, because we've got a new venue, we can take more couples at one time. Um and um yeah, approaching 70, so I've got to start relaxing a bit. Well, you you look amazing for 70. I had no idea. You are, you're so full of life and vibrant, so maybe the key to looking and feeling vibrant is to have tantric sex. <laughs> well, <I wouldn't, laughs> you convinced me. I would endorse that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Diana, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Enlighten me, bitch I be a boss I got the sauce, no point in fighting me Demons leave them torch, I run my kingdom Call me sire, we never taking L's Only lessons, no we never counting fails Only blessings, never stressing I said enlighten me, bitch I be a boss I got the sauce, no point in fighting me Gang they hyping me, rightfully I am stable, I am able, I am wealthy Full of health, 